The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. Dealing with Delta, the FDA preparing to grant full approval for one vaccine at the center of the fight against COVID-19. This as the CDC unveils its own plan to help struggling families hit hardest by the virus pandemic. COVID concerns not doing much to stop Wall Street's record run. Futures search for direction this morning after another record-breaking day. Back from the brink, shares of Robinhood surging in the pre-market less than a week after its less-than-stellar market debut. And a new boom for Bitcoin, how the $1 trillion infrastructure bill could help millions, yes, help millions of crypto investors when it comes to their taxes. It's Wednesday, August 4th, 2021, and you are watching Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Good morning. I am Dominic Chewin for Brian Sullivan today, kicking off your Wednesday morning with stock futures trying to figure out what to do. You can see right now the Dow is implied lower by roughly 44 points. The S&P would open lower by roughly three to four points with the Nasdaq higher by roughly six to seven. We'll call it relatively muted this morning so far. Now, the S&P 500 is coming off a fresh record closing high, while the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the Russell Transportation, all seeing their first three day, first day winning day in three days. Checking what's happening with the Treasury market right now overall, you can see a slight move in yields, but not by very much. A slight tick higher in the benchmark 10-year U.S. Treasury note yield to about 1.18%. Meanwhile, the benchmark 2-year Treasury note yield currently stands about 17.5 basis points or 0.174%. Now, a number of sectors are on the move this week as well. While infrastructure may be treading water on Capitol Hill, on Wall Street, some big moves over the past few days, as you can see there, in infrastructure-related type companies. U.S. Steel up about 7.5%. Cleveland Cliffs, Cliffs Natural Resources up about 9%. Others just moving on this particular move in infrastructure as well. Solar stocks, by the way, also catching a bid on the heels of some better-than-expected results from Solar Edge. That's up about 24% over the last week. Meanwhile, First Solar is up about 13%, and Enphase Energy, which is in the S&P 500, is up about 10.5% during that span. Now, around the world, trading in Europe is already well underway. Jumana Bersetchi is standing by in our London newsroom with the early action from the European side of things. Good morning, Jumana. Morning, Dom. Another very positive session for European equities here. Another fresh record high for the stock 600 and also for the German DAX index. We also had some positive macro data this morning. The PMI composite number for Eurozone as a whole coming in at its highest level since 2006. So this is also very boding well, uh, boding very well for the macroeconomic recovery looking ahead into coming quarters. But of course, the focus has very much been 
on the earnings season. Very strong so far. You can see the FTSE 100 in the UK up about two-tenths of a percentage point. Home builders doing well in the UK index. Kekahont in France up about four-tenths. Stellantis, one of the names we're watching there, the auto company, had very strong results yesterday and continues to lead on that index. Zetradax in Germany also up about six-tenths of a percentage point. Though some of the key industrial names are weighing on that index. But I want to bring you two names in particular that we're focused on today. The first is Commerce Bank. You can see it has dropped quite a lot, down five percentage points, uh, back into the red, posting a bigger than expected net loss of 527 million euros for the second quarter. This as the bank is undergoing a major restructuring under its new CEO. And another stock that we're also very focused on today is Hugo Boss, the luxury maker has reported an EBIT of 42 million euros in the second quarter after sales more than doubled in Europe. The German luxury fashion house now anticipates revenues for 2021 to increase as much as 35% from last year's lows. So it has been a steady climb for Hugo Boss, and you can see that in the chart on the left there, up about 30, well, what is that? Up, yeah, decent amount in the last couple of months or so. But the bottom line is, Dom, that the earnings season has been very, very strong for these European corporates. Year on year, we're talking about a jump of about 140 percentage points. So no wonder these stock markets keep going from strength to strength. Back to you. Jumana Bersacci in London. Thank you very much. Back home, a fast-moving situation around COVID-19 and the Delta variant. Our own Bertha Coombs is here with the very latest there. Good morning, Bertha. Good morning, Dom. The FDA is reportedly preparing to grant full approval of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine, this according to the New York Times. The approval, which could come as soon as Labor Day, comes as the country continues to face a wave of infection sparked by the Delta variant and pockets of the population still refusing to get vaccinated. According to the latest KFF tracking poll, 14 percent still adamant against that. Previous targets for full approval of the vaccine had ranged from early fall to January of next year. Meantime, the CDC is issuing a new 60-day eviction moratorium in areas with high levels of COVID infections. Senate Majority Leader Schumer says the eviction ban, which lists penalties such as fines and jail time for violations, will cover about 90 percent of the country. The CDC is citing data showing 6.9 million renters are behind on payments as of June. And without actions, mass evictions could lead to an even bigger spike in new cases, that according to the agency. New York City, meantime, has now become the first major metropolitan area in the country to require proof of vaccination for most indoor activities like dining and concerts. This, as Florida, whose governor has banned such vaccine passports, has become the new national epicenter of the virus with a positive test rate more than twice the national average. State officials there call the surge seasonal. And when it comes to boosters, still no word from the CDC or FDA, but health officials in San Francisco aren't taking any chances. They are now moving ahead, allowing patients who've received the Johnson & Johnson single-dose vaccine to get a second supplemental dose of Pfizer or Moderna to help boost their immunity. Dom, this is something that a lot of folks have been looking at around the world. I guess folks who are anxious probably want to roll up their sleeves to get that. So, so many unanswered questions right now, for sure. Bertha Coombs, thank you very much for that. When we come back on the show, a CEO exits a product pipeline in jeopardy. 
and $3 billion wiped off the books. A very sad story for one recently hot IPO. Plus, retail traders to the rescue for Robinhood. Those details ahead and later. Buy now, pay later. North of the border, two surging stocks on the heels of that particular bit of news. A very busy hour still ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns after this break. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. That's a live shot right there of New York City, Times Square in particular. We're in just about 50 minutes time. Some of our colleagues at Squawk Box are going to be taken to the air to give you the latest news in the morning today. Well, time now for your big money movers. Four stock stories of the morning so far. First up, Lyft, the ride sharing company reaching a milestone, posting an adjusted quarterly profit three months ahead of its target. Lyft says it will remain profitable on that basis going forward, but it warns Revenue per ride is expected to to decline this quarter due to ongoing driver shortages and worries about the spread of the Delta COVID variant. Lyft president and co-founder John Zimmer will be on Squawk Box in a first on CNBC interview, 8.45 a.m. Eastern time. A must watch there. Stock number two, Activision Blizzard shares are higher after the video game publisher reported better than expected second quarter results and third quarter guidance. The company also announcing the head of its Blizzard Entertainment Unit and a senior HR executive are leaving the company following a lawsuit filed last month by California regulators over gender bias and allegations of harassment. Stock number three, Robinhood. The meme stock du jour is up again today after soaring more than 20 percent yesterday to trade above its IPO price of 38 bucks a share. Robinhood was among the top five trending stocks on social media site StockTwits which is seen as a measure of interest from some retail investors. Those shares, by the way, up another 7.5% pre-market today. And finally, Zymergen, the biofacturing company, losing two-thirds of its market cap after announcing its sole current product is struggling. It also says a major target for future business is not working out, and its CEO has stepped down by, quote-unquote, mutual decision, Zymergen went public just back in April. Those shares down by 69% in the pre-market trade. We're still on deck for the show. A scented candle for the Swedish chef in all of us. New vaccine incentives and Elon Musk docuseries. And this morning's top trending stories all ahead when Worldwide Exchange returns after this. Today's big number. 
$14.96 trillion. That's how much total household debt in the U.S. reached at the end of the second quarter. Mortgage debt made up 90% of the growth during the period. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. It's a live shot of our nation's capital right now, 515 Eastern time. Still a lot of debate going on about what's going to happen with infrastructure and spending in this country. Let's get a check on this morning's other top headlines. NBC's Francis Rivera is in New York with the latest. Good Wednesday morning, Francis. Hi, Dom. Good morning to you. Yeah, President Biden is joining a chorus of fellow Democrats in calling for the resignation of New York Governor Andrew Cuomo after a scathing report released by New York's attorney general accused him of sexually harassing 11 women. The allegations from a five-month independent investigation range from inappropriate comments to unwanted kissing and groping. Cuomo strongly denied the accusations and is vowing to stay in his job. Missouri's governor has issued a pardon for a husband and wife who made headlines last summer when they brandished guns at protesters during a peaceful Black Lives Matter march in front of their St. Louis mansion. Patricia and Mark McCloskey pleaded guilty to misdemeanor assault and harassment charges in June. And the multi-state lottery Powerball says it is adding a third weekly drawing on Mondays to its lineup, which will lead to larger, faster-growing jackpots. Powerball drawings are currently held on Wednesday and Saturday, so you add to that the Mega Millions on Tuesday and Friday, Dom. More chances of you adding all those zeros to your bank account. If you win, of course. That small detail. If you, you win. You got to be in it to win it, though. Mm-hmm. So we'll call it like a dollar. I guess it's two dollars in a dream, right, these days. There you go. That's all you need. <laughs> all right. Francis Rivera, thank you very much for that. Let's get to some of today's top trending stories right now, including a big vaccine incentive, a new space documentary, and a very meaty scented <laughs> candle. Bertha Coombs has the latest. I'm already a little bit hungry, Bertha. Media, I see what you did there. Thanks, Tom. So Vanguard is offering a thousand bucks to employees who get vaccinated by October. And that offer applies even if you've already gotten the jab before this announcement. Vanguard is not allowing unvaccinated people to enter its U.S. offices and recently announced a hybrid model allowing most staff to work remotely on Mondays and Fridays. Meantime, those are the companies all paying to get vaccinated. Ours is not one of them. A new Netflix documentary will follow SpaceX's first civilian mission this September. The five-part series will follow the four civilians on SpaceX's Inspiration4, who will be launching into space for a three-day orbit. It will be the first Netflix documentary to cover an event in real time. And if you've ever wanted your home to smell like IKEA's Swedish meatballs without having to heat them up, Well, you're in luck. 
the furniture warehouse is offering a new scented candle that smells like their iconic Swedish meatballs. Candles part of a sweepstakes package aimed at recreating the sensory experiences of being in an IKEA store, which I said to our producer Anne really should involve that, you know, one way long hallway that you have to walk in order to get out. They don't let you out of that store unless you walk all the way through it. <laughs> they also put the cafeteria right near the exit, so you have to get some of those meatballs or some other right? food there before you end well, up leaving the building. You're starving by the time you get there. You've worked so hard. <laughs> I know. And by the way, Bertha, I mean, talk about this notion here that people are getting paid by their employers to get the yeah. vaccine. I mean, it, it, it's an interesting move here. You wonder how many people will find the financial incentive enough to go and get that particular shot to kind of get things moving in that particular direction come this fall. Yeah, it, it may put some people over the finish line to actually get the shot who may have been hesitant. Um, I was talking with some some uh, clinic officials who said they're actually offering some incentive incentives. And for some of their patients who are lower income, it really could make a difference. You know, if you if you work at a lower paying job like at a McDonald's, if they give you one hundred dollars, that hundred dollars could make a big difference. It's a huge I mean, it could be a big difference for a lot of folks out there. But you want to see whether or not the growing list of companies gets even bigger if we know that the Delta variant is going to have some more of an impact down the line. Bertha Coombs, thank you very much for those top trending stories. Well, straight ahead on the show, Fairleads Katie Stockton lays out the technical case for stocks to keep trending higher, plus a key sector upgrade you can't afford to miss. And if you haven't already done so, please follow our podcast. If you miss Worldwide Exchange, check us out on Apple or Spotify or your podcast app of choice. Worldwide Exchange audio format. We'll be right back. Stocks finding themselves in a holding pattern this morning after the S&P 500 once again hits a new record high. The FDA looks to time. It looks at new timing given Pfizer's COVID vaccine its approval, full approval at least, as state and local leaders roll out new steps to try and contain the spread of the Delta variant. And Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen taking a summer trip as she hits the road to sell President Biden's economic agenda. It's Wednesday, August 4th. You are watching Worldwide Exchange on CNBC. Welcome back to the show. I am Dominic Chewin for Brian Sullivan today. Here's how stock futures are looking as we are halfway through the 5 a.m. Eastern time hour. It's a mixed picture coming off record highs, as we just mentioned, for the S&P 500. It would be implied lower by roughly four points. Meanwhile, the Dow is implied lower by roughly 40 points if these futures moves hold into regular cash equities trading at 930 a.m. Eastern time. With the Nasdaq higher by just about three, call it flat at this point. Now, a few big money movers this morning. You've got Live Nation seeing sales surging. This, of course, comes as live events return. You can see there those shares up about two and a half percent. Meanwhile, Avis budget posting better than expected earnings and revenues. The company calling this its best ever quarter. Those shares up about two percent in the pre-market trade. And Royal Caribbean expects its complete fleet of ships to be sailing by the spring. Those, sh- those results here due out later on this morning, up about one quarter of one percent as well. 
Stocks have been holding up relatively well in the face of lower bond yields, worries about the Delta COVID variant, slowing global growth and China's crackdown on its big technology companies. The S&P 500 closing at a record high for the 42nd time this year. Let's get more insight now with Katie Stockton, founder and managing partner at Fairlead Strategies. Katie, for the for the longest time, we've been talking about this notion that the path of least resistance has been to the upside for the markets. Is that still the case right now? Well, certainly from a technical perspective, if you look at the major indices, they really face no resistance. That means that they don't have previous peaks to contend with on their charts. And really the only one left is the Russell 2000 index that still contends with a hurdle on its chart. And that has seen momentum improve and also relative strength improve as market breadth or participation has improved. So I do think that we'll see the Russell 2000 index follow the other major indices to new highs. Maybe it doesn't happen this week or next week, but sometime soon. And that's going to be associated with additional expansion in market breadth. And that's the, the stuff that can really fuel an uptrend. It's obviously a mature uptrend by a lot of measures, but the momentum is still there from an intermediate and long-term perspective. Now, if I mean, you mentioned the small caps, certainly one place a lot of traders have been looking towards for some kind of signal or confirmation about record highs, maybe in the offing again. Another place people are watching, Katie, I know, is the transportation stocks. And those ones have been lagging pretty markedly so over the shorter to medium term. Is there any concern on your end about whether or not those transportation stocks are in any way indicative of the future direction of the overall market? You know, I don't use the transports in that way as sort of a barometer. Obviously, the airlines are under pressure for good reason. Uh, Now, when we look at those benchmarks like Jets, which is an ETF representing airlines, we see oversold readings and also support nearby. So the worst may be over there, and we're looking at it more from a contrarian perspective and not as something that's bearish for the broader market or for the economy necessarily. Rather, we try to be mindful of these oversold conditions, and we try to act on them when we do see the momentum uptick or sort of improve off of those lows. We haven't really seen that on a broad basis yet, but we are seeing it in the broader sort of cyclical arena. So we have seen some signs of life in relative strength terms and also from a momentum perspective in the likes of industrials more broadly, also in basic materials. We are even upgrading financials from a relative strength perspective because their phase of underperformance has now generated that oversold reading near support. So, I mean, if you go back towards the pandemic lows of last year, many of those sectors that you've mentioned have been the leadership. And we understand that. I mean, they're the ones that were the hardest hit during the economic downturn, and they're the ones that are recovering the strongest. Is there any any perhaps caution out there to this notion that over the past month we've seen the best performance out of places like utilities on a relative basis and real estate as well? It, it kind of takes away some of that luster from the industrials trade that you were just mentioning. Is the fact that utilities are doing well, is that is that something we should worry about? You know, the utilities are doing well. They had a pretty strong July, considering it was such a strong July. You, you typically would expect more, I guess, defensive action out of the likes of the utilities. 
And yet, if you look at the long-term relative strength trend there, it's very much to the downside. In fact, the ratio of something like the S&P 500 utilities index to the S&P 500 itself is very close to its lows. So that relative strength is not that great or very promising for utilities from an intermediate term perspective. And yet you can make a case for some of those stocks in absolute terms. I mean, they certainly have support. The XLU as one benchmark has held up right near its 200-day moving average, which is turning to the upside. So you can make a case for them, certainly, but I don't think it's another barometer or anything to be bearish about. Katie, as you're looking at your overall coverage universe, are there, I mean, I know that you look at setups, right? You know, bullish setups or bearish setups, things that you think could break out. Are, are there any companies in particular that have, that have caught your attention that may be poised for that kind of upside move in the coming weeks? You know, there are a lot of breakouts from a bottom-up perspective. We do reviews of the S&P 500, really looking at the stocks one by one. And we're certainly through this earnings season seeing more breakouts and breakdowns. One that's very mainstream that I could highlight to you would be Tesla. Tesla is one that has pushed out of a consolidation phase, and that follows an intermediate-term turnaround within its longer-term uptrend. So that would be one good example of a breakout, but there's really a lot of those out there. All right. Tesla shares certainly ones to watch there for sure. Katie Stockton, thank you very much. We appreciate it. Of course. Good to see you. Well, Delta's new details involving Janet Yellen's first domestic trip as Treasury Secretary as a part of a push for President Biden's economic agenda. Yellen will meet with local political and business leaders in Atlanta later on today. Ilan Mui joins us now with exclusive details on what the Treasury Secretary will say with that agenda push. What can we expect to hear, Ilan? Well, Dom, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen will warn today that President Biden's economic agenda is essential to ensuring that the U.S. remains the world's superpower. Now, that is the message that Yellen will deliver in Atlanta on her first domestic trip. We obtained a copy of her remarks, which say, quote, we've grown used to America as the world's preeminent economic power. We aren't destined to stay that way. However, with these investments, I believe we will. Now, those investments are the trillion dollar bipartisan infrastructure plan that's currently being debated in the Senate, as well as the sweeping $3.5 trillion spending package that Democrats want to pass all on their own. Yellen is one of five cabinet members that President Biden has tapped to sell that plan to the public. During her trip, Yellen also plans to meet with CEOs and local leaders and to highlight the popular child tax credit. Yellen will say that the ultimate goal here is to reverse some troubling long-term trends in the economy, declining labor force participation, wage polarization, racial inequality, as well as climate change. Now, of course, Republicans would also like to add the ballooning national debt to that list. Now, Yellen does try to head off that argument, though, Dom. She says her biggest question now is no longer what are the risks of making those big investments, but what is the cost if we don't? Back over to you. All right. So, so, so Elon, I mean, I mean, Yellen used to get out of her way to stay out of politics as the Federal Reserve chair. It's an apolitical position. We know that. How is she adjusting to this new role within an administration where she has to deal head on, head first with the political aspects of many of these policies? 
Yeah, so Yellen hasn't really been the one in the room sort of negotiating and haggling with lawmakers. That's something that President Biden himself has taken on. Um, But what she has done is sort of add her economic gravitas and credibility to a lot of President Biden's proposals. And she's briefed lawmakers on this. Now she's taking that message to the public. She has taken heat from both sides of the aisle, though. Just yesterday, she talked to House Democratic lawmakers about the eviction moratorium, and she faced some tough questions from them about, you know, why that wasn't at the time intended to be ongoing. You know, she's also faced some heat from Republicans who have questioned some restrictions around the state and local aid that has gone out as part of the COVID relief package, as well as why she wouldn't testify sometimes on Capitol Hill. So she has found herself now the target of some of those political attacks. But by and large, she sees her role as someone who is almost the explainer in chief and really trying to um, sort of underscore and highlight those economic policies to the broader public and explain them to lawmakers as well. All right, Ilan Moy with the latest there with the Janet Yellen comments coming later on today. Thank you very much. To the ongoing state of the COVID-19 pandemic, the FDA is reportedly preparing to grant full approval of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. That could come as soon as Labor Day. Previous targets for full approval of the vaccine had ranged from early fall to possibly January of next year. This as the CDC is issuing a new 60-day eviction moratorium in areas with high levels of COVID infections. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer says the ban, which lists penalties such as fines and jail time for violations, will cover about 90 percent of the country. In mandate news, New York City has now become the first major metropolitan area in the country to require proof of vaccination for most indoor activities like dining, gyms and concerts. This as Florida has become the new national epicenter of the virus with a positive test rate of more than twice the national average. State officials there do call the surge, quote unquote, seasonal. And health officials in San Francisco are now allowing patients who've received the Johnson & Johnson single-dose COVID vaccine to get a second supplemental dose of Pfizer or Moderna to help boost their immunity. For more on all of these headlines, let's bring in Dr. Carlos Del Rio, Executive Associate Dean at Emory University's School of Medicine. Dr. Del Rio, thank you very much. There is so much to sift through here, but let's talk about whether or not the COVID Delta variant is worrisome from a longer term perspective. We've seen some evidence in certain other countries that there is a time frame at which the peaks will happen and then recede. Do you feel as though the U.S. is on that same path? You know, Dom, it's very hard to predict what's going to happen with this virus. But if we look at what has happened in other places like India, like the U.K. with the Delta variant, we may very well see this huge peak, which we're currently on the upswing right now, and then a rapid decline. And if you look at this and you put it in perspective, you could potentially predict that in six to eight weeks, the Delta variant peak will, will be gone. So if that is the case... And we do have jurisdictions like New York City imposing what are, in essence, vaccination passports for doing certain things like dining indoors or going to a show. Do you feel as though policy is perhaps a step behind what's happening right now? Or is it all just out of an abundance of caution because we don't exactly know what the Delta variant is going to do? Well, you know, we have Delta, but then we have Lambda and we'll have other variants come. So the reality is the pandemic is not over and it will not be over until we control it globally. So I think New York is is taking what I think is a very 
uh, smart decision. The reality is if, you know, knowing that people are vaccinated and allowing people vaccinated more uh, ability, more freedoms to do things will probably be the right thing to do going forward and something we're going to see in many places around the world. France has already done this at a national scale. There's been a lot of talk about this notion that we might need further vaccines, possibly on a more regular basis to kind of keep this thing in check. I think to myself, you know, Dr. Del Rio, that I I get a flu vaccine every season as just part of my normal routine. Is this a situation where because of COVID and future variants that people will have to get vaccines on a regular, perhaps even annual basis because of the different types of variants that will develop over the course of the next several years? You know, Dom, it's hard to predict again, but flu, the, the flu virus and the COVID virus are very different. The way they mutate, the way they change is very different. So I don't think we're going to need annual boosters like you do with, with the flu. You may need a, a, a supplemental or some additional vaccination once in a while, but annually, I, don't, I strongly don't think that's going to be the case. It may also be that the companies who are developing vaccines they're already working on what they call a pan-coronavirus vaccine. So it'll be sort of a once, one vaccine that covers all current and future variants of COVID-19. And that may be actually the way we may see things going forward. How, how safe should Americans feel about getting you know, back to normal more so than they already are right now? We have New York City announcing these, these new restrictions. Should we feel as though we have to go back to the types of lockdowns or restrictions that we've seen? We, we've heard Dr. Fauci say that, that we're not going to go through lockdowns, that that's, that that's a last case, that's a worst case scenario. Is the lockdown scenario pretty much off the table, given the fact that vaccinations are on the current trajectory that they are on? Yeah, exactly. That's the case. I think that because of vaccinations, lockdowns are, are off the table. But we have to get more people vaccinated. The reality is, you know, there's still about close to 100 million Americans who are eligible for vaccination today and are currently not vaccinated. And we have to get more people vaccinated. If you look at places that have high vaccination rate, you have not a lot of problem with Delta. If you have look at places like in the southern U.S., Florida and other places where you have lower vaccination rates, you have very high surges in Delta. So there's a very strong correlation. And what companies and the government and many other people are doing is trying to get people vaccinated. And some companies are doing it by mandates, others are doing it by making it easier. But at the end of the day, getting more people vaccinated is gonna be key. Doctor, uh, before we let you go, you mentioned the number of Americans who are Mm -hmm. not yet vaccinated. In your medical opinion, if those people do not get vaccinated or choose not to get vaccinated going forward, what does this country face in terms of the trajectory of this particular virus and future variants? Well, if you don't find a vaccine, Delta will find you. You will get infected with Delta very likely. And therefore, those people are going to become infected and they're going to become immune by natural infection, many of them. The problem of that approach is that is is that a lot of people are also going to be hospitalized and sick. We see what's happening in many places right now where hospitals are overwhelmed. And I want to remind people that when hospitals are overwhelmed with COVID patients, That also impacts patients that have heart attacks and strokes and many other conditions that simply cannot get the care they need. So at the end of the day, you don't want hospitals overwhelmed. And that, to me, is the biggest concern is simply our hospital capacity overwhelmed, mortality up and a lot of pain and suffering for everybody as we go through this this surge. All right. Dr. Del Rio, thank you very much for all your thoughts. We appreciate it, sir. Happy to be with you, Don.
Well, coming up on the show, Bitcoin and infrastructure. Is it a match made in heaven? Robert Frank lays out the benefits the trillion-dollar plan working through Congress could provide to crypto. Yes, crypto investors. But first, as we head out to break some of your other top stories, the Department of Justice is reportedly weighing a lawsuit to block United Health's nearly $8 billion deal to buy Change Healthcare. That's according to the information. The DOJ has recently reached out to private attorneys outside of the department about potentially leading action to prevent the merger. Apple and Affirm are holding, reportedly holding talks about teaming up for a new buy now, pay later program. That's according to a report from Bloomberg. The plan will be for Apple device purchases in Canada as a part of the tech giant's push to offer even more financial services. And the Biden administration is announcing it's moving forward with a new environmental review of oil and gas leasing in Alaska's Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. The move by the Bureau of Land Management comes after the Interior Secretary said she found multiple legal deficiencies in a prior review that gave a bath for the first lease sale on the refuge earlier this year. And shares of Caesars are higher after the gaming and hotel chain topped expectations with its second quarter results. The company cites a strengthening of the Las Vegas market as well as continued strength in regional markets. For some of those results, those shares up 2% pre-market. Worldwide Exchange is back in just a moment. Welcome back to Worldwide Exchange. As lawmakers in Washington haggle over details of the bipartisan infrastructure package, Provisions in the legislation could actually provide some benefit for crypto investors. Robert Frank joins us now with a closer look at some of those provisions. Robert, it's hard to make the link between the two. Tell us what exactly can crypto investors expect with this particular move? Well, Dom, Bitcoin losing about $75 billion in market cap just this week on those tax fears. That's because the draft infrastructure bill would require Bitcoin exchanges and other companies to report their customer crypto activity to the IRS, which is bad for people who evade crypto taxes. But for investors who do pay their taxes, there could be an upside. That's paying and calculating your crypto taxes could get a lot easier if this happens. To comply with the new rules, crypto exchanges and brokers will have to start producing tax forms known as 1099Bs for their clients. And we all know that traditional brokerage and wealth management firms, they already send those 1099Bs to their clients. Now you've got companies like Coinbase, Gemini, Binance, all those exchanges. They would have to start producing these 1099s if this bill actually goes through. Now, it would also help crypto holders possibly maximize their tax losses. That's because right now, when you move crypto from one exchange to another, and a lot of crypto crypto holders do this, the price information is not transferred. So you don't have a record of your cost basis for taxes or for tax loss harvesting. With the new rules, you can actually specify which batch of crypto you want to sell for profits and losses and only sell the ones with the largest losses so you can offset your gains with those losses. So investing-wise, this is positive. Yes, bottom line, the rules will force many crypto holders to pay more taxes because they'll be more compliant, but some may actually end up paying less. So kind of a mixed bag, which is why you're maybe, Dom, not seeing a huge move down with crypto. Again, about 10% over the past few days but still some people concerned about what impact it could have on at least U.S. investors 
of crypto. It's so it's so fascinating because because the, the, the entire crypto investment ecosystem right now is very much like the Wild West. People are still trying to figure out what exactly are the standard operating procedures. Government entities are try, trying to figure out what exactly they are supposed to do about regulating it. Take us through what exactly it means for some of those wealthier clients out there who do have these crypto holdings. Do you think it will alter the way that they view crypto in their portfolio? Will they take a more active approach to managing some of those gains and losses? I think they might take a more active approach. I think when you look at the institutions, the family offices, the wealthy who are buying crypto, and again, more and more of them are, I think these tax fears and even Gary Gensler's statement last night and expected today where he's saying the SEC will regulate crypto as much as it can within its powers, I think that those institutions and wealthy people are actually hoping that this legitimizes crypto, makes it easier to hold, makes it easier to pay taxes, makes it easier to fit into their investing systems. I think where it's going to be difficult, and we don't know how many these types of shareholders there are, are these crypto holders that are perhaps younger, that aren't paying their taxes, that don't want government regulation, that feel like the whole point of crypto is to operate off the grid. And so I, I think that's why you're seeing sort of a mild effect so far on crypto. And, and, you know, we'll just have to see where the regulations go. But I think for the institutions, they're happy that we're seeing regulation, we're seeing taxes, we're seeing these things that could actually make it a strong institutional investment going forward. One thing you can be sure of, if you're making money on it, the government's going to want its fair share of taxes on top of that. <laughs> Absolutely. Frank. Thank you very much for that update on crypto and infrastructure. We appreciate it. Well, coming on deck for the show, stocks searching for direction as the S&P hovers near a record high. Our market panel lays out what investors need to watch in the trading day ahead. That's coming up. Keep it right here on Worldwide Exchange. Check out what's happening on CNBC later on today. We've got a massive slate of huge interviews you will not want to miss. Gary Gensler is the SEC chair in an exclusive interview on Squawk Box. Mary Barra, the General Motors CEO. John Zimmer, Lyft CEO. Caesar CEO. Target CEO. Brian Cornell, CVS Health CEO. Karen Lynch. The parade goes on and on. A big day for CEO interviews. Keep it right here on CNBC. Well, let's get you set for the trading day ahead. Joining me now is Brian Levitt, Invesco North America Global Chief Market Strategist, and Katerina Simonetti, Morgan Stanley Private Wealth Management Senior Vice President. Thank you both for being with us here. Let's start with you, Katerina. As we talk about markets at record highs, do you still feel comfortable on behalf of your clients being long or committing more capital to this market? Don, thank you for having me on. And this market certainly keeps investors on their toes. Um, they can't ignore the fact that we had such a big run up in a short time frame. And this market certainly seems overvalued. Now, in addition to this, now we have concerns about, you know, potentially higher corporate taxes. Um, and, uh, you know, investors are worried. And the question is, what do you do? And what we advocate for our clients is rotation to quality. We currently, we favor healthcare over tech. We, have, we favor consumer staples over discretionaries. 
Financials is a good place to be. You know, the name of the game here is how do you de-risk the portfolio? Because what we are expecting is some sort of correction in the context of the bull market. This market is going to continue to grow. It's very well stimulated, but whatever corrections market is gonna bring before the end of the year, we have to be ready for it and have some cash on the sidelines to be able to buy on dips. Now, Brian, it's interesting because Katerina mentioned some of those sectors. They're not exactly the ones that have been the, the, the leadership that we've seen over the course of the last several months here. Is it, do, you, do you feel as though it is the case where you want to go back towards the quote-unquote high quality? Because it feels like a market at these levels where you keep wanting to go back towards the old tried and true, which is technology, which is communication services. Is it time now to kind of go back the other way and play the contrarian play? No, I don't think so. And I mean, obviously, you know, time horizons may matter. There'll always be some type of correction when you have some type of uncertainty in markets. But this is a market that's primed to go higher. But if you if you think about where you are in the cycle, we had the recovery phase. That's that's deep value. That's cyclicals. As we start to move into more of a slowdown, which is inevitable, that's when you want to go back to favoring the true growth companies wherever you can find them. And that's over a multi-year horizon. So, you know, you're yeah, if if, if there's going to be some type of volatility in here, then you want to be more defensive. But that volatility is not going to last for very long. And this is a market that is primed to go higher for a variety of different reasons, not the least of which is we're early in the cycle. Policy is very accommodative. And so that's going to play out for multiple years. And so investors that are thinking over those multiple years should be assessing whether this is an economy that is going to move to a new higher sustained level of growth or whether it's an economy that's going to stabilize over the next number of years. I'm in the camp that it's going to stabilize. And in that environment, you want to go back to owning the true growth companies wherever you can find them, similar to the way the markets played out from call it the middle of 2011 through uh, through the end of 2019. So, so Katerina, uh, one of the one of the reasons I've heard why you want to stick with that technology trade is because interest rates are so low. I mean, the 10 year government U.S. US Treasury note yield is just about one point one eight percent right now. That should be buoying of certain valuations out there. Do you feel as though the interest rate story has played out right now or do you think it still has a very big macro kind of influence on, on what's happening with markets? Dom, absolutely. We're watching a Federal Reserve carefully, and it's going to depend on what the narrative they're going to come in with in the fall. And we probably might uh, see some type of a run up in the market once we know exactly what the tapering plan is going to be. But overall, you know, coming back to technology, we like technology. What we're advocating right now is paying very close attention to valuations. And there are amazing technology companies that are positioned for growth that have attractive valuations and be definitely belong in the portfolio. But we also see a lot of run-ups in the sectors and valuations that are not going to be supported by earnings. And that's what we're cautioning investors off, that they should take really close look at their portfolios right now and evaluate it for quality and position it for growth. Because the mid-cycle uh, transition that, in our opinion, is happening right now, what it is known for, it is slowed down growth, a lot of market choppiness. And this is where we have to be prepared and make sure that portfolios are positioned correctly to get us through the space of the market and benefit from the growth that I completely agree with Brian is going to be here, you know, but be prepared for the heightened level of market volatility. So, so Brian, we'll give the last word to you here. What derails this particular rally? 
Well, you know, it, it depends if you're talking about over weeks or you're talking about over the long term. Um, so if you're to think about it in the near term, what ends up derailing the markets is usually some type of policy uncertainty. And so, you know, the Federal Reserve is is likely to go at this gradually. So I don't think that there's going to be a huge hit on the Fed side. Clearly, concerns around policy, around how open the economy could be could be an impetus behind some volatility. Sure. But I think the bigger questions investors need to ask themselves is not what derails uh, uh, the, the year rally in markets. It's more what could derail this cycle. And cycles in the United States tend to play out over multiple years. The last cycle played out over 10 years. I gotcha. would say we're still very early in this cycle. What could derail that? Significant inflation, Fed tightening, and an sure. inverted yield curve, although that's certainly not my base case and not what I'm expecting. I, I expect inflation to moderate and the Fed to be accommodated for years to come. All right. Brian Levitt and Invesco, Katerina Simonetti at Morgan Stanley. Thank you both very much. That does it for Worldwide Exchange. Spock Box picks up the market coverage coming up next. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.